And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Converting earthy language into thrust. As you kneel before Azawa, Legend of Zelda's turned to dust. Podcasting from the future like your time was dead and gone. And we rock the best site like ComicsOnline.com. Hello again and welcome to the Comics Online Podcast. Season 12, Episode 10. I'm your host, Kevin Goswan. But instead of our usual group of podcasters, we've uh, stepped away from that for a few episodes here. And uh, to give you a little something different. Um, as you know, recently, uh, we, we went global. Uh, we are uh, something of an international thing these days. And uh, our Australian staff... Um, particularly in this case, Aussie Dave Lobato and Jaden Leggett went down uh, just a couple of months ago to the Supernova Comics Expo in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm, I'm saying that better and better, I hope. Uh, forgive me, those folks who uh, do actually live there. Um, and, and, well, you know, cover the shit out of it. You know, gave it the old uh, Comics Online uh, slap and tickle, if you will. I'm not sure what that means, but I, I hope it's something good. In any case, um, uh, they came back with some, some fun uh, uh, interview clips and uh, some write-ups and some photos. And uh, what else they brought back was, uh, was a couple of uh, sections of audio from a couple of um, uh, panels. And uh, the one, the, the episode previous to this, of course, was the Marina Baccarin one. And uh, here we've got uh, something very special once again. Um, uh, one of the most prolific comic writers of this generation. We've got uh, Brian Michael Bendis for you. So, um, again, we will get back to the usual stuff, but uh, this, this might become a thing, I think. Uh, we might get some more of these uh, uh, focused episodes. I don't know what to call them, but they're, uh, uh, some of them are going to be interviews and some of them are going to be uh, like this, just panels. But uh, they will be easily differentiated um, by, the, by the title. It's just going to be the person's name. So from here on out... Um, if you see if you see that, it's going to be this style, and some maybe some of you will enjoy this more, and some of you uh, can't wait to get back. But uh, enough of that. Here's Brian. You know, you know, you know when you talk a lot back and forth, you get that whole talking head thing with like uh, your Kevin Smith or your Bendis. Well. We can do that, or you can listen to the master. Um, and so here today, we've got uh, Brian Michael Bendis giving his master session. And here that is. From leaking car builders to going off like gamma bombs. Put your internet browser to comicsonline.com. In fact, he is one of the most critically acclaimed writers working in comics today. Um, he is uh, the creator of the Ultimate Spider-Man. Hell, he's essentially the creator of the Ultimate Universe. 
Um, essentially, uh, no, not entirely, but a little bit here and there. Yeah, that's that's possibly how you sell yourself. Yeah, I think ultimate yoga. He's also the executive producer on the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which I've just been watching. That is bizarre. I love it. Yeah, I think it's popular. It is. Yeah. It is crazy, cookie wacky stuff. Please put your hands together. Cookie with the crazy for Brian Michael Bandit. Some of you uh, rearranged your life uh, to get here tonight, and I, I actually really appreciate it because, uh, and I and I'm proud of you in a way because um, I know that a lot of you are very serious about your craft. Uh, you find yourself maybe at some uh, weird crossroads where you're just, you know, looking for knowledge, looking for those truth bombs, and trying to get them anywhere you can. And coming to stuff like this, uh, which I've done myself hundreds and hundreds of times. It says a lot about you as a creator, and you should be proud of that. It's, it's a good thing. So uh, thanks for coming out. Uh, I'm going to do a little differently uh, than Scott and Chris. Um, I, got, I got the feeling that a lot of you wanted to get into some nuts and bolts, real comic book making knowledge. Uh, I'm a, a college professor um, in Portland, Oregon, so I have a bunch of presentational stuff here and stuff I can talk to you about. Uh, and we'll kind of talk more craft. Then we'll save the nerd stuff for tomorrow. Uh, nerd stuff will pop up because it's intertwined so heavily. But uh, I thought we'll just talk about like what, what it is to make a comic book in the modern day. And you guys just gonna you know, raise your hand with questions as we go. And um, and and any question that you have is probably a question that someone else has. So don't feel shy about it. And um, I thought we'd just talk about you know what a comic book script is. You know it's so it's so difficult. I know for a lot of you writers out there, in, uh, in a lot of different writing jobs, like in, if you're a screenwriter, there's a, a, a format to screenwriting, and if you don't do that format, you're doing it wrong. And uh, a, a, a reader or an agent or a, 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 the person who, a producer, will open up your script, and if they see you're doing it wrong, they'll throw it right in the garbage. In comics, there's no right or wrong. There's no universal format that makes a comic script. Uh, there's only the thing that the writer thinks is the best way for him to do it, and or the thing that challenges him the most as a writer. So I'm going to show you a couple different samples. Uh, right here, what you're looking at is the script to uh, Avengers Assemble Number One, which came out a couple of months uh, a month ago, uh, and this is what they call full script. And full script means you're getting uh, just everything. The writer's writing everything down. You're getting. Um, panel descriptions, you're getting dialogue, you're getting uh, notes to the colorist, notes to the artist, uh, but it's, it's a full-blown uh, version of what's happening here. We'll, we'll scroll down to uh, Avengers Tower, um, and if you guys seen the book, you'll see this is a, you know, this, this is a, a good representation of what happens. Now, this is one version of how to do a comic strip. Another version is something that's called um, uh, it was called the Marvel style or just the plot style. And um, here's a, a, a Green Lantern script, and, and it's you'll see it's very different than mine. Uh, it's by Jeff Johns, a uh, um, very good writer. Uh, he will um, put a lot of reference for his artist right away. I tend to reference as I go if it's needed. Um, some some artists love this, like, thank you for doing my reference for me. Some artists don't like it. Uh, they, they like to go do the reference. But particularly with a, a book like uh, Green Lantern, where there's specific, clearly, uh, 
Air Force nerd stuff that we, he has to deal with, he, uh, he gives it right away. And then, uh, and then we'll, uh, much like a, like a Broadway play, if you ever read a Broadway play, the cast will be a lot, you know, set up right in front. Um, and then the settings, we'll have the settings all laid out. So this will be, this helps the artist uh, kind of get their organization together. And then it gets, get, gets into it. But what you'll see, it's very different from uh, my script is um, he's not giving a lot here. He's giving a lot less. He's letting the artist uh, design the pages and, and, uh, and, and come up. But he has his dialogue. Now, there's some versions of this that don't have any dialogue. This is a script by Dan Slott that's also done in, in a similar style. And he, oh, look at all tiny. I mean, hold on. Yeah, I'm tiny. All right. But you'll see here, uh, he, he did he puts on his little uh, thing, but you'll see there's no dialogue at all. He's just giving them visual information. And then there's another version of this that's literally just a page and a half that describes all 22 pages of the comic, and the artist has to break it all up themselves. And then the writer comes back in, and Dan will come back in after this, these pages are drawn, and then he'll come up with the dialogue. I, uh, I do everything... And there's no right or wrong. This is just what makes him happy. He likes to like, discover the dialogue from the, from the art that's been given him. And then also I have my favorite writer. Let's see if I can, here it is. Global Frequency. This is uh, Warren Ellis. Uh, he's my favorite writer. And uh, he also will see a completely different format. This is a format you'll see used by a lot of the Scottish and English uh, writers. This is Martin Large scripts look a lot like this as well. Um, a lot of them are, are written in bars on cocktail napkins. Um, uh, Warren has taken it to the next level. I'm told he has the uh, iPhone with the rollout keyboard that he can just take to the bar and, and, and do it right there. So, uh, and and uh, again, it's, it's kind of a, a mix between full script and Marvel style. So, and again, and, and within the confines of all this, there's another 50 different versions. Everyone does their own way. Um, but from there, um, you know, but what I, what I try to do in my scripts is write into the artist's world, into their vision of the universe. I, I, I try to write only thinking of the way they draw or, or what would be the best version of them. Uh, I, I, I'm not to try to have them illustrate my vision of the world. Yes? Do you change the style of my place while the roof's going to be drawing? Yes, I, I do. Um, uh, I, sometimes it'll be very subtle, and sometimes it'll be uh, a very a huge difference. Uh, you'll see there's certain artists that do... Um, the, the one thing I look out for in most artists that I really treasure is subtext. It's very hard to do in comics, and why by subtext, I mean that uh, to have Peter Parker say yes, but if you look at him, you can tell he means no. That's very hard to do in comics, and there's only... Like ten guys who could really do it. Mark Batley is one of them, and I discovered that very early in our relationship. Oh, he can draw anything. Like, you can, but that that is the highest level of character acting. Where I ended, I, I found myself removing a lot of dialogue out of the script once it was drawn because the face had said it all, or the face was better than my dumb joke. So. Uh, um, so yes, I, I will study the artist. Um, like recently, I've been working with a lot of my heroes, like uh, Alan Davis or Neil Adams, or uh, Walt, right now I'm working with Walt Simonson. And uh, even though I've read everything they've ever done, I go back into it with new eyes. Like now, I'm, now I'm going to look at every issue of Excalibur and see 
looked on those moments that I loved about Alan Davis, how many panels were on that page, and how many, you know, how, how much stuff did he really want to draw? And then if you look, you'll see, and I learned, I learned some of these lessons early on, you know, um, uh, I used to do, because I was a writer artist for so many years, I used to write and draw my own graphic novels, I would, uh, I would, you know, lay out, do the layouts myself. The layouts seemed to be part of the writing to me, laying out how these images are going to look on the page. I'll show you what the layout looks like here. But I have right here, I have some cool stuff that no one has seen in the world. Like, oh, no, man, not that. <laughs> <laughs> That's even cooler. Yeah, no, look, look at that, look at that. All right, um, this, is, this, is a, this is a, believe it or not, this is a layout from David Marquez for Ultimate Spider-Man. And let's see what else I got. That's some other cool layouts. Yeah, here's a, this is another layout. Yeah, this is, a, this is a better version of the layout. This is just, you know, just deciding how to put the, the elements. You know, some comic pages have dozens, if not a hundred elements on one page and to make them all look clear, have the storytelling look clear. You could do 50 of these layouts before you really start to pencil. And um, I used to do this as part of my writing. I would, I would lay out the whole issue and then give the layouts to the artist. Um, the, the whole, I did a book called Alias where I did all the layouts. Uh, Sandwich Witch, I did all the layouts. And uh, I used to do them for Alex and Leave on Daredevil too. And everyone you know, graciously uh, accepted them, knowing that it was just me writing. It was just, I didn't know where the writing ended. It was all writing. Uh, I, I did it to, to Mark Badley in the first issues of Ultimate Spider-Man, and, uh, and then he called me up and goes, yeah, I know you don't need to be rude, but that's really rude. And I go, why? He goes, that's my job. Literally, it's my job. And it's literally like you're coming into my cubicle and just start touching all my stuff. It's the, that's what you're doing. And I go, oh, no, 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 no. He goes, no, I know. He goes, I know. I can tell. You know, there's no harm done, but I actually really like to figure the storytelling out. And that was a big lesson that I learned, that every artist has his thing. Um, and, and, then, and then I realized that a lot of times with my layouts, I was, I was strangling the artist to draw the way I want them to draw if I could draw as good as I wanted to. You know what I mean? And, and then I went, so I, I immediately stopped in all layouts for everybody. Everyone I worked with got better. Like, I, I, I was strangling them. And, then, and Alex went, no, 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 I like when you did that. It was, it was less stuff for me to think about. But I saw his art open up. Like I, I was, in a, and then I became addicted to that, to like just seeing what happens. And then I realized I wasn't writing for them; I was writing for me. And I stopped immediately. And I, I literally would like, if I'm writing for Alex and Lee, I just what's the world according to Alex and Lee, and write into it. And I do it right now. I'm doing it for Walt and doing it for Badly. Uh, and and you know, a lot of times you'll build up a, you know, a pretty intimate relationship with uh, with your artist. Uh, you know, I, mean, I, I find it would be nothing more intimate than creating characters together. It's really super intimate. There will come a shorthand. It'll make things very easy. And so that's half my life where I do have an amazing shorthand with some of my dear, dear friends uh, where we were pushing each other to both do better. Like, you, they're pushing me to write better, I'm pushing them to draw better, or to draw things they wouldn't draw on their own. And, and the other half is people I don't know. I don't know Alan Davis. I'll never know Alan Davis. But I, I wrote for him, into him, and just the way the script's written, they, they can see, um, it's for you, There's, the, the notes are to you, there's no one else who's supposed to draw this. And I, I, I find myself getting very good results from that. So, I, I, to me, that's part of the, the magic. But you can do all that right and not, you know, not do it. Um, does that mean, do you still think very visually, though, why, 
while you're writing just script and not... Oh, yeah, you have to. I mean, I, it's all visual. And then do you get a bit of a surprise when you see what the artist comes up with? A good surprise? I, I'm, 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 again, uh, some of you will be frustrated by this answer, but it is my favorite part, is the surprise. Uh, and I know that some of my friends don't like the surprise, so sometimes surprise isn't... It, it, there's, a, there's another side to that surprise, which is, that's not what I wrote at all. Yeah. And I've had that happen, too. I've had a couple times where... Um, it, there was one job I had in Marvel where the artist came in the pages, and the editor and I just stared at them and went, "What page is this? Like, like this is not, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy, you know." And, and uh, um, this person is, is no longer counts not because of me, but because uh, he'd done this a few times where he was just drawing whatever he wanted, um, and uh, that that kind of rattled me too. But more times than not, the gamble is. You're, you want the big, pleasant surprise, a surprise that looks like this. All right, and this will, this will be stuff that just came in the other day. Let's see, where is, uh, like, surprises like Sierra Bocelli's cover to a Spider-Man that no one has seen. <laughs> and then, and then um, let's see, where is, like, like, where is the Walt Simonson one? Walt just handed in something to me that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, this might be. Like, and, and I literally was just like, this is Walt Simonson. I'm going to give him as much Thor and giant images. Like, like for another artist, I would never give up a page just to have Thor flying ass looking badass. And I'm like, and, and, and I, I realized, like, listen, this guy is stopping what he's doing to draw this comic. I'm going to give it. And I also think that 90% of the people buying this comic, this is really all they want, no matter how clever my little one-liners are, this, this is it, so it gets very exciting. So yeah, so yeah, I, I had a vision in my head for it, and then things come out that are so much better than you know. So, and I, and I live for those moments. So, anyway, so we go from, we, we, we so as most of you may know, we go from, um, here, this is a good one too, this, and then, then, then you'll start getting the layouts. Here, here's a perfect example of layout. This is a wall layout. Uh, wall Simonson, one of my heroes, I'm working with an Avengers right now. Um, the most sensitive to my needs as a writer as anyone I've ever worked with. Because I'm sitting there going, well, I'll do whatever you want. Because what I do when I hand in the full script, I say, I'm writing everything down, do whatever you want. Get us there any way you want to get us there, you get us there. All right? I'll figure it out on my end. All right? I'll draw whatever you want to draw. As far as the story is concerned, and then most people just go. Ninety percent of the time, they follow the script pretty, pretty tightly. But I just think knowing that they're allowed to do whatever they want just makes them happy. But because I was a visual artist and I'm thinking visually, I'm rarely giving them something I, that they can't do. I, I know what they can do. I used to do it, so I, I know exactly how to do it. But what I do do that's obnoxious is crowd scenes. But I love a crowd scene. Right, and they're so easy to write. They're so hard to draw, and, and, and but sometimes the story doesn't work unless the entire of, of Peter's high school is out on the front lawn because there was a fire drill. You need to see everyone you know. So I'll do schools out, and all the buses are here to pick up, and all the parents are here to pick up, and all the you know the students have all come out, and they're in their little place, and here's the little pit here, they will put it, and then, and then I'm, I'm done. That's it. I'm done. I'm done writing. Right, and then and then now now that we have this is two days of his life. 
And then he'll drop, but he'll drop, man. Your baby will drop every single thing I wrote. And then, uh, and I'm sorry for the kids. On uh, the corner, you'll just see uh, a few benders. <laughs> so, but, but, so, back to Walt is that he hears, him showing me layouts, so worried that I'm not going to like it. Because he, he changed something and put something on a different page. And I, and, and I didn't know how to describe this. It's like everything that you're doing, everything that I'm asking you to do is stuff I stole from you from the X-Men Teen Titans special. <laughs> so, you know, we're in some weird circle. You know, sorry. Anyway, so we go from, so we go, we go from layouts right to pencils. All right, and then we go from pencils. All right, then, then the inks start up. I'm going to show you some... Uh, This is, um, this, you guys will see this next week. This is the variant cover for Spider-Man number one, penciled by Badley and inked by Sarah Pacelli. So there is um, Mark Badley's pencils, and there's what the inker would do to it. I think this is the probably the best example of the penciler-inker relationship I've ever seen. You could study this all day long. All right, it's just, it's just wonderful. And... Uh, it's everything. It's bringing out everything that's good about the pencils, and then the inker doing everything right in the buildings in the background and all that. You all, some of you probably heard stories about great Jack Kirby pencils being erased by a lazy inker who just doesn't want to ink the background. They erased it. Chicks don't used to do that. It's disgusting. Anyway, we got a question up the back. Sure. Hi. Um, by the way, sorry for running up to you behind stage earlier. It's really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> uh, working with Alex Malieve on Scarlet, and I was post just stuff you've worked with them before. I absolutely love the book and, and together, but you're both sort of listed as creators on that. And how has it changed and how is it different working on that book than other things you've done? Um, you know, it's funny because, you know, you can't force a partnership. It, it just happens, you know, and... Um, some of you may have, like me and Alex were here years ago at Supernova, and, uh, and if you meet me and Alex, literally I have no friend in my life who's more different than me, than Alex. This, uh, you know, he's completely different than me, and the fact that we've been friends for 15 years and good, creative team is uh, shocking to both of us. Um, uh, what, 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 when you do find that you have it, even if it's on work for hire, it doesn't feel like work for hire when you're doing it right. It feels great. It feels like, like you know, we're, we were in charge of Daredevil for years. And that was a huge honor that we both took super seriously. And we both challenged each, each other, you know, in, in, in the best way possible. And I was a fan of his from when he was doing The Crow back at Kitchen Sink. And uh, good luck finding it. And uh, um, so, but... I think a year into Daredevil, I was like, we're going to create our own book together. You know, I don't know what it is. I don't know when it will be, but we're doing it. I will tell you that we do create our own, it, 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 you know, and splitting it with, with someone is very, it's a, big, it's a big thing to ask someone because we're not getting paid for like a year if we're getting paid at all. You don't know. You don't know what's going to sell or how it's, what's going to happen, if the industry is going to be in one piece by the time you're done with your book. You don't know what's going to happen. So... Uh, I'll write it, and then the artist has to draw it, and then that's a whole month of their life. They're not getting paid. There's no one, no one's backing us. And then uh, you know, when we hold, we hold hands like Thelma Louise and drive off the cliff and, and see what happens. So, um, but we talked about it for years, and then when we were done with Daredevil, we we, we started talking about it, and we we we, we cooked Scarlet for a couple of years before we even told anybody, even our friends, what we were doing, and uh, um, so. 
the difference in the working relationship isn't different at all because we were handling Daredevil and even Halo like we owned it, you know. So just actually owning it isn't that big of a shift. Um, but it is fun having done creator own for so long, and I know that there's a big difference in, in the reward of it on, on, on a really a metaphysical level um, that I, I've had my whole life that some of my friends have never had. Like Mark Batley is doing with me on, on Brilliant. He's been in comics since the 80s. He's never owned anything before. He can't, and to watch that slow, I own this. I can do whatever I want. No, we're not getting notes from anybody. Is uh, It's a really wonderful thing to watch their eyes open wider every time. Uh, and, and then they open the book and it says, owned by, it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So so there's pluses and minuses. There's a huge financial burden, but the, the payoff, like spiritually, huge. Well, and to share that with someone, unbelievable. Yeah, I was saying it's one of my favorite things out right now. So Thank you. Thank you. And I know uh, you're, you're thinking in your head, where the hell is it? And Alex had a baby this year. How dare he? How dare he? I had an actual baby, and uh, uh, and it, it's, it, there is pages, and it's coming out where you're going to get the whole next book hopefully by the end of the year. So thank you. Anyway, any more questions before you push on with this? Uh, all right. So, so anyway, so this is the uh, pencil and inker relationship. Which I love dearly, and then, um, and then, and then we get the, uh, the the colorist involved. All right, the colorist can do all kinds of, and uh, in, in, in modern storytelling, color is a big part of storytelling. And as far as I'm concerned, as far as the world is concerned, that's why you'll see uh, on the majority of my books, I, I make sure that the colorist gets uh, equal billing on the cover to us. They're working just as hard. Justin Posner. One of the great colorists of all time um, is Paul Mounts on uh, Avengers Assemble. Um, you know, to, to, to make this all work, you know, to have all these superheroes and supervillains and everyone's glowing and there's a light source and, and making it all make sense and making the eye flow to the right thing. Bad coloring can kill the best piece of art. Just kill it. Sometimes that colorist work can, can come uh, can be deceptively simple, but he went in there and colored all those guys, and not in a way that made it hard to find out what's going on. You know, I take that. I take that. I'm, and I'll have a lot of color notes. I mean, my 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 passion is um, the is uh, cinematography, which is the art of storytelling. I'll tell you, there's this one movie called uh, Visions of Light, which I showed in my class. If you can find it, find it. It's, it was made by the um, the uh, American Cinematographers Association, and it's a documentary about cinematography, uh, starring the best cinematographers of all time. It's the best movie about how to make a comic I've ever seen. And this isn't about movies, the comics are like movies, no, but there's it's about visual storytelling, and good visual storytellers are are geniuses to me, and, and so I really think you, you love that. So anyway, 
What was that called? Uh, this was from New Avengers. This is recent stuff in New Avengers, which I I, I, I don't think uh, Dave Dow is getting enough credit for some amazing work. I think you see here some uh, beautiful spot blacking, completely controlling the design of the page into a triangle. All right, using using the power of the blacks to control where the eye goes. All right, this is um, decept deceptively simple. It's very hard to pull off right. It's very hard to do right. He does it right every single time. I'm going to dig in here to... Uh, I, I think that question was, what was the film called again? Oh, I'm sorry. It was um, Visions of Light. And they don't make it anymore, so you really got to dig for it. But if you find it, boy, it's going to change your life. I, it, was, it, was, it was a hallelujah moment as I've ever had. Now, some artists do their own coloring. And sometimes you're getting an artist like uh, Daniel Kuna, who I love, I did Avengers with this year. Uh, and you'll go from, all you'll get from him is, I think this is it, yeah, a layout that looks just like this. And the next thing you'll see, and then you'll see all the visual information is there, all simple. And he just shows it to us to make sure we're okay with it. And then, boom, this is the next thing you get. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no next step. But from here, uh, this is the one I get back anyways. I will, uh, I'm going to show you some lettering files. Hold on. Sometimes I even pray around to get something else, right? I'm like, 
this is it, man. This is, this is the game. Look how hard it was to get here. I want to work as hard as I can the whole time I'm here until they're done with me because they will be in show business, even though it's the lowest run of show business there is beneath jugglers. Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, that, um, so you, you, you should treat it. It's, it, to me, it's an honor to write the characters. It is, it is you know, you're, my, my friend Matt Fraction calls it work, we're torch passing. It's a relay race. You've got the torch and you run as long as they'll let you run or as long as you can run. And then you're handing it off. Everyone is, no, no matter who you are, that you're handing it off. Either choose to see it as an honor or don't do it. You know what I mean? And sometimes I see people bitch for work for hard work. No, then you shouldn't do work for hard. It's not for you. But if you see it as an honor, which I do, then, then, then there's no difference. All right. But I think that if you're not, if you if you have an opportunity and the wherewithal to create, you should do that too. They're both equal to me. Uh, important. They, uh, both both of that part of my brains need constant stimulation. You know, I, I, I just as much uh, which is the Jewish word for happiness. Knowing that Maria Hill is going to be on movie screens. Than I do about powers coming to television screens, never. So, no, 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 no I'm sorry. It, it, it's, it, it is still happening. But, um, but, but, but they're, I'm equally excited. Like in my heart, when Marie Hill was on Letterman the other night, I'm like, that's cool, you know? So, so there you go. So, I, I, do, I do believe that your name is on it. You're giving something of yourself, even if it's a, you know, Moon Knight fighting ninjas or whatever you're writing, you're saying something about yourself. You're putting something into the world. So you should do it as best you can. So, all right. All right. Any, any other questions? Oh. Um, you are obviously doing a, a billion different projects with, you know, I don't know, several Avengers titles, Ultimate Spider-Man, working on the TV show, probably helping out with the movies. How do you juggle all that? Because I know that um, well, somebody like me, you know, we, there was times when you were studying and working full-time, but you also want to work in your creator and stuff. How, how do you juggle all that? Because you're doing You know, it, it, it is, it, it is everyone to their own, uh, to their own speed. I'm able to do it. Uh, in fact, I kind of need to, and I was doing it, like, even, like, people, like, when I was only doing a graphic novel, um, like in, in the mainstream kind of what I'm doing like Jinx and it took like two years to do. I was doing 17,000 other things just to pay for Jinx, you know. Um, so I just happen to be the kind of person that, that um, I'm creating creative experience and the, the TV show is one. The movie, the, the, the Marvel Movie Committee, which I'm on, that's an extremely excellent creative experience for me to spend a lot of time with Kenneth Branagh on Thor it, it just watching the machine go and then going right back to work it, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience to me so uh, they are jobs and they're jobs I covet but there's something else there that I that, that's really why I'm doing it which is I'm working on a, a cartoon, I'm working on like a cartoon with Paul Dini who is really good at it and I get to study his scripts like the Torah and sit in the room with him, you know, and and it and, 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 and inspires me to, to do do likewise. So it, it's it's about that. And listen, I have other friends who 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 only can do the one book they're doing. They can only do one graphic novel at a time and, and, and there's no there's no multitasking involved. 
And that, that's what they got to do, right? But I like the multi I have a lot going on. I have a lot of ideas, a lot of things. And I'm, I'm happy for the opportunity to do them, so I, I, will, I will take them. So, but it's everybody to their, to their thing. But you know what? Truthfully, when I was a young guy, I was bouncing off the walls. I was just unfocused, bouncing off the walls, and I, and I was mad at myself for it. And I used to work at a, at a framing shop in a mall where you'd, you'd frame the, you know, I'd cut the glass and put the shitty Patrick Nagel thing in the, you know. So, and I, I literally just cut my hands up every day because I'm just not paying attention and I'm unfocused. And uh, one day my uh, manager, who's a very nice woman, literally put up a sign over my workstation that said focus with little, like, funny letters, right? And... I don't know why, it just, yeah, I was like, I'm an unfocused person. And I focused. And literally today, if I close my eyes, I see the sign. Like, I see it like it's right in front of my desk. And it just focused me, and in that focus comes multitasking and clarity and blah, blah, blah. So, focus, you know. Do you have any more? I don't know. Do I have any more questions? I can barely, the lights are on me, so I can't see if anyone's raising their hand. I was just wondering, how do you... Uh, go about choosing how much time you've been doing this It comes in all different ways. Um, uh, my good friend, Stevie Sobolski, who travels the world, you guys probably have met him uh, around here. Uh, um, uh, it, he really travels the world looking for people who kick ass. And when he finds one, and it, it's like pearl diving, and when he finds one, can't wait, we fight over him. We're like, you know, who, who gets him first, right? Or there's just people who I, I respect a lot, you know, like Neil Adams is someone I always want to work with. Neil Adams changed my life when I was a kid. And oh, he would like to do something with me? I would like to do something with him. And, and then it becomes, well, what? Because it, it, it's going to be precious, so let's make sure it's something he really wants to draw and, and, and that will inspire him to do the work that we all want from him. And, and so it comes from all different ways, either from personal relationships, we pitch a book together, like I'll say, I would like to do this book with him. And if you don't want him or you want him, not me, then you know what, then we're not going to do it, you know. So it's a nice mix, but I, I like to keep my eyes wide open. I, I lately have had a lot of success with fines. Um, uh, you know, Sarah Pacelli, Find of the Century, maybe? Um, followed by, oh, and then we have to find someone to fill in for Sarah while she's doing, we found David Marquez? Here, look at this. This is the guy we find who filled in. Yeah, here, here's, here, here's the layout on layout, and here's, uh, hold on a second. Let me, some, let me find some young David Marquez. Yeah, the, yeah this, this, this is the guy, this is the fill-in? We found him? As good as her? It's beautiful, man. Here, Rob's talking about subtext. Right there. That's subtext. There's no dialogue going on that. You know, I can't find my letter right now without uh, showing you uh, secret files that, that, that I'm not going to show you. But um, what's cool is that, oh, I'm going to look at you one more time. But, but once the lettering comes, once the lettering comes in, then I, I do more picking. Then I do another rewrite. I'll look at the lettering and I'll decide if my jokes are working. What's cool is that sometimes months months have gone by, um, 
and, and so when I read the script with the, and I'll read a joke that is just the worst joke, I can I'll, I'll literally think someone rewrote me. Like, who wrote that terrible joke? I did not write that joke. And I'll look at my script, oh, no, I wrote that joke. And uh, so I'll rearrange, or, or sometimes I'll see something there, I'll go, I don't, I don't need any dialogue on this page. I'm just getting in the way. I'm a, I, the biggest compliment you can give an artist is just take it, yank and dialogue. I, I'm, a, I'm in the way. So I'll, uh, you know, so I do a whole other pass because this is really when it gets down to what you're going to see as the audience or what your audience is going to see. You got to look at that final page and really decide, is this the best version? Is there something else we can do to it? Um, and, and, then, and, and that's my, and some of my best moments as a writer have come in this stage. It's called the picking. A lot of writers don't do it. They don't do the picking. I, I know a guy. It, it annoys the crap out of me. But he'll write a script, and he won't look at the art. He won't pick. He won't think. And the, the book will come out, and he just bitches and bitches and bitches. Oh, they, oh, they screwed me. Oh, they screwed me. I'm like, they didn't screw you. You have 50 opportunities to, to massage and, and sculpt and mold. And you, you, you take them, you know? Because all that matters is, is the final page. And making sure that you and your artist are on the same page while it's going on. You know, uh, another horror story that I, I was told is that there was a writer and artist not getting along on the book. The um, writer wrote something, the artist drew something else. The writer had a full opportunity to go in there and work it so it made sense, refused to, to show that artist. And then uh, the book came out, and everyone went, oh, this is the worst book I've ever read. And you look, and no one knows who's to blame, no one knows who's getting along. All you know is that writer, that artist suck. And, uh, and and these blood feuds or whatever else goes on, they, they, uh, they don't mean anything. All that matters is the final product. product. So. Sure. I just wanted to ask you something that... I can't see you guys at all, so I'm sorry if you're raising your hand. Um, speaking of collaboration, uh, how did you find, with Powers, uh, the co-writing with Omi when that uh, took place? Um, it, it, it's, it's always taken place. Yeah. This is um, uh, a misnomer that I, I've been trying to. Uh, uh, Mike, Mike, Mike. When we first met, Mike wasn't a writer at all. And then, as the years have gone on, Mike became a very awesome writer who wrote a lot of awesome comic books. And then, every once in a while, would say, "Hey, we should do this in Powers." And like, you own Powers, go do it. You know, I'm like, it's yours. Go, knock it. I would read that in two seconds. And then. I go, hey, that's cool, let's do this, let's do this, write and draw, and uh, I'll come in and, uh, you know, make everyone stammer. You know, I'll, I'll, you know, let's try that, let's see, what that, let's see what that feels like, just for us. And I well, that's not even telling anybody, you know what I mean? And then, because when you notice on all my career books, it never says writer, artist, it just says buy, because these labels get weird. Sometimes they're just, they're just, uh, they're mislabeling. Sometimes the artist is giving a lot, and sometimes the writer is giving a lot. You know, so I just like just let's go, let's call it even on every single book, and everyone do whatever they want. You know, so uh, so yeah, I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed that a great deal, which which has led us to. Um, I'll, I'll show you something cool here. Hold on a second. I'll show you this, which will, which will be going up at. Um, this will be going up um, in Chicago this weekend, but uh, this is the next thing Powers is going to be. This is Mike's idea. 
Mike came out. He goes, I want to do like Powers as FBI agents. I'm like, let's do it. And I thought, you know what? Let's just do that instead of Powers. So, and we've done it for about a year, but that's what we're going to do. And uh, couldn't be more proud of it. So. How do you find the, the process? You're working on Ultimate Spider-Man, the cartoon. Do you get to do the picking there? Uh, the artist? Well, well uh, you're working on, on Ultimate Spider-Man as yeah. the uh, executive producer, is that right? No, I'm a consulting producer and in the writing, I'm on the writing staff and I've written like five episodes. My right. first one is the ninth one. There, there is a little different. There, this is a fun thing and this is part of the reason I'm on the show is uh, Jeff Lowe has worked on uh, a lot of like um, real television shows like Heroes and Lost and you know and real television shows have a writer's room which will be like everyone who can write is in the room yelling and screaming about what they think is the right thing to do and they don't they don't do that in animation more or less it's, it's producers handing out assignments um, so he said let's let's put a writer's room together let's get Denny and you and the men of action guys who are going to produce the show which is like Joe Casey and Joe Kelly uh, Siegel and uh, Duncan Below and yeah, let's get Joe Fassad in there, let's get Steve Wacker, the Spider-Man editor in there, and me, and, let's, and we'll get together once a month and once in a couple months, and we'll not, we'll, we'll beat out episodes, we'll all figure it out together. And then, um, from there, organically, you kind of figure out who's writing what. Like, it's usually the person, sometimes I, I came in, I pitched an idea, is it great, do it. And, and then we worked all out in the room, and, and then they uh, was writing that episode, right? And then there, there's an episode, my first episode is the only one that's, Really based on uh, Ultimate Spider-Man story, and it's uh, the Wolverine Spider-Man switching bodies, and, and Joe kind of lorded his CCO label over me, demanded that I write it as a because he knew I didn't want to write it as a comic, so I now have to write it again in another <laughs> medium. But uh, it was a lot of fun to do. So, uh, um, so yeah, so we, it becomes obvious who's doing what. Yeah. Uh, who's it? Oh, there's going to be a Deadpool episode. Hey, Joe Kelly's right. You know. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's very, very cool. Hands waving at me at all? Yeah. We've got something in the back. Having worked with uh, Alzheimer's now, yes. and people like that, um, is there still someone that you admire that you still really want to work with? Yeah, oh, my God. Yeah, so this could go on all day. Yeah, yes. Um, um, a lot of, you know, I'm a huge fan of European graphic novels, uh, like uh, Inky Bilal and Nara. And uh, those, all those guys, and uh, Mobius would have been wonderful. Uh, I, I was flattered to write the intro to Incall when it came out this year. Um, that's as close as I got. Um, uh, but yeah, Mike Mignola, uh, Steve Rude, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, Mike, Michael Bolden, who I've done a little bit with. Um, but, you know, you, you do, so you get in a weird area where you feel like you're collecting comic creators instead of comics. And, uh, um, but, and also, you want them to want to do it. I mean, when I was, uh, the, the, the first, like, golden gig I got at Marvel Comics was Ultimate Team Up, because I pitched it, they said, go do it, and I could go get the artist myself. So I had the full right to call someone like Mike McMillan and say, hey, do you want to draw Spider-Man? And I'll go, no, I don't. And then, you know, the <laughs> conversation's over. But, um, so I, I did get to work with a lot of people a little bit. John Tolliman who did Swamp Thing with Alan Moore, was very good to me when I was in college. Like, he was a local creator who went out of his way to inspire and help me and even get, like, people's attention on me. And uh, um, so to work with him was really special. Like that, that whole book to me is really special. Matt Wagner was very special to me. And so that, that book is filled with uh, 
things in the mental world to me. So it, it, there's, it's a mixture of new people and people I grew up with, and, uh, you know, it's an honor. So, yeah, so anyone that thank you all has a phone number, and he wants to do Wolverine with me or something, that'd be great. Were there hands up the back anywhere? I'm, I'm sort of looking to see what hands waving, but... They, they always pop up and then they pop down there. Yeah, there's right. one hand. Oh, right, one down the front. Right. Yeah, I'll put up this as if I can Awesome. One of my favorite ways to read comics now is digitally. Um, mm -hmm. And I read that Mark Wade's internet thing is absolutely amazing. I agree. Right? Totally agree. Uh, are you going to be dipping your hands in some of the internet stuff? I, I, yes, I, I will. I, I thought, you know, I've been working, you know, I, I too, like every creator, has been struggling with what, where is our language of comics going to go in the digital market. I love comics and I love comic books and I will continue to make them. But there is this other delivery service that we have that's worldwide that puts the comic book store in your pocket that can't be denied. You know, it's going to be, and, and so when Motion Comics became a, a, a thing, I go head, head first right into the announced to do Spider-Woman. And, um, and um, Joe, Joe discovered some of the guys on di digital webbing who were doing things like the Internet Comics and said, like, this, this is it. Because Motion Comics, you start wrestling with, it's not a cartoon, it's, not, it's a lot of things that it's not, right? It's, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. But what we want to focus on the thing that is this thing, and the Infinite Comics is a comic, and a little more. That that's what we were looking for. And I, I, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. I, and I get nothing from it, I just didn't really thought it was an inspired uh, first log. And it certainly shows all the things we can do with it. Um, the, the cool thing about Infinite Comics is, um, and one thing with digital comics that kind of takes away the panache of the double page spread, kind of smushes, you know, the turning the page, wow, moment, uh, got kind of lost in these scanning of pages. But with Infinite Comics, kind of gets that. Now, you know, now it's exploding. Ooh, look at that, exploding. Nearly every page of the spread is awesome. Yeah, I, I really, really liked it, so um, I'm very excited about it. storytelling in a more mainstream uh, comic like Marvel or something, yeah. you've got your single issue story arc and then your longer story arcs, how constricting is it? Was it my, uh, my window? Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a real, that's a real picture. That came out, I was like three years in my gig of Marvel, and Stan Lee was going to do some Ringo Stone comic or something, so they took this picture. There is an actual Beatle fake reading two of my comics right there. <laughs> That'll never happen in my, ever, ever again. That's as close to the sun as I'll ever get. So, what another them fake reading two books, one's almost upside down. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Um, when you've got the longer story arcs, um, how do you go timing that with things like events and having a limited number of issues? I, I am, because we do these Marvel retreats, we all get together in New York or, or in other places and work them out. So we, we kind of know like years ahead of time sometimes, like, you know, a year at least, sometimes two, where we got to have everything, all the, all the pieces. So it's, it's much easier than one you might think, actually. That's, uh... Uh, I think it's actually benefited a lot of writers. It kind of like wrap it up. <laughs> it's where you know, Avengers are going to kill the X Men. No, not really. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, so so it, it, I, I I think it's been um, now all these things that come with you know 
these uh, these uh, things that walls that come up from creator from doing work for hire. You know, uh, you know, Spider Man can't choke a hooker to get an erection. All these things you're not allowed to do. Um, and you're really not With the creative approach, you can do anything you want. With that, we come a lot of laziness. You get like flattery and anything you want. I'll have them fight a zombie, then I'll have them fight a robot. Then you know, it's, it doesn't, it, no one's stopping you. With with a book like Spider Man or an Avengers, there's there's things that they, they can't do, and there's only so many pages that you have. And I think in there, there's all excuses for creativity. It's all like, you know, what, what you know, I think about the movie Blade Runner. Or um, this is a, a quote that Ridley Scott gave. He said, "I never had less money in my life than Blade Runner, and I never made a better movie because I was forced to be creative. I had to sit down, and, and all my flabby instincts as a storyteller had to go away because I don't have any money, right? So with with, with work for hire, there's there are things you're sharing characters. A lot of it is about the, the biggest stumbling block is sharing a character. Like I am Iron Man." I mean, it's in six other books, sometimes in three other books. So I, you know, we, we all have, you know, I can't kill him because Matt will then not have a book, you know. So, so but within there, we get together and we come up with a, a creative solution that inspires both of us into an area we might not have gone. And this is some creators get, and, and, and this will go to your personal work. I take this very seriously to all my students. Everyone comes up to me with excuses. I can I ran out of time, I don't, my artist disappeared, but, you know, whatever it is. And all I hear is like these excuses for failure, but it really is excuses for creativity. And you have to decide that they're excuses for creativity. Then you roll up your sleeves and find a creative way out of the problem that you're in. A lot of people will use it as an excuse just to fail, just to stop. All right? And that is the worst thing you can do as a creator. And just and, and, and think to yourself, am I giving myself an excuse to fail? And if you are, stop. So, all right, who else? All right, there. Right oh, the wait, wait, we've got one. Just oh, yeah, okay. Okay. Uh, how did you get started in writing? How did I get started in writing? I um, did it. I was. I, I wrote and drew my first Marvel comic when I was six years old. I, I stood up at the dinner table and I announced to my family that I was now the artist of Spider-Man. <laughs> Not knowing that I didn't have any rights to Spider-Man, I didn't that someone else owns it, I just declared it, and really the only person that really appreciates the fact that I've actually been writing Spider-Man all these years is my mother, because I literally stood up and announced it. And I sat down and I wrote and drew a graphic novel where Captain America and the Punisher beat each other up for no reason for close to 45 pages. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, I have it. I have all 45 pages. And I wrote and drew that graphic novel about six times completely. I, I wrote it, drew it, finished it, decided what I did wrong, did it again, did it again, did it again. I didn't know the difference between writing and drawing. It was just all comic book making. Actually, I used to call it comic book making. And, I, and that's what I did. Uh, it was also intertwined with me and my brother uh, taking those. Uh, when I was a kid, 
they would have comic books with records. Now, I'm not going to describe you what a record is, but, um, <laughs> but it would be an audio play of the comic book. Yeah, I had one of the Fantastic Four, and it had an audio play of the thing. Uh, I loved them so much, because it was close to the superhero movies we were going to get, that uh, me and my brother decided to make... I was annoyed that every comic book didn't have an audio track, so I then made... Uh, literally dozens of audio tracks of all my comics with my brother, using all of our toys as uh, special effects. Anything that made a noise, like a, you know, any truck I had that made a noise would be part of it. So me and my brother would do these Marvel radio plays. And I was 30 years old when I was doing this. No, I'm joking. I was, uh, I, was, uh, I was a little kid, but I now think back of that as I was writing too, because I was rewriting Stanley comics, but it was all comic book making. And only later, did I realize that I was writing to give myself something to draw. And then later I realized that I was a writer who was drawing, not an artist who was writing. So, but since I was a young kid, I did it every day. about this for years. We were talking about a, a, a many, a many subjects, and one, the one subject is what that sometimes Marvel comics don't always look like the New York that we know to be true. Um, you know, even like Daredevil's fighting to save Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen hasn't existed in like 30 years. It's a lovely place called uh, Clinton. Or Clinton. Clinton. It's really nice. It's, it's lovely. It looks like a Daredevil one. Great job, guy. Why have somebody in the work? So, um, lovely restaurants. And, uh, um, and, and we, we talk about, like, you know, sometimes you can, without even realizing it, get stuck writing someone else's version of New York. You know, you're writing a you know, the, the, the Marvel of New York of 1968 versus the one you see. And um, we talk about wouldn't it be great if, if and, and isn't it our responsibility to make the heroes more of a di diversified culture that we see the world to be. And um, so we're talking about Spider-Man in particular seems to be the character that has the most fans of all walks of life. Like, like and particularly... Uh, a lot of minority comic book readers would come up to us and uh, tell me a story that it, I, I've heard this story that I'm about to tell you hundreds of times, and I didn't even realize I'd heard it so many times until we announced Miles. And that was I, I'm uh, an African American boy of color, and when I was playing superheroes with my friends, they wouldn't let me play Batman, they wouldn't let me play Superman because I didn't look like them. But they let me play Spider-Man because I could get away with Spider-Man. I'm covered head to toe. You know, I look like Spider-Man. And I love Spider-Man. And I didn't even know Spider-Man was color of his skin when I was a little kid. All I knew was Spider-Man was cool. I, I, he could be me under that mask. I don't know. And I heard this story so many times. And then when we announced Miles, a, a friend of mine told me this story. And I realized, oh, my God, I, I literally have heard this story so many times. This, this is why we should do this. There should be a Spider-Man that represents that feeling to all those Spider-Man readers that they've had. Um, and I, I have a house that's now a mixed-race house. I have two children adopted of a different color, and, and uh, they 
they love it. They, 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 anything that they look at and say, that represents, and not just Spider-Man, but anything they see on TV, they go, I, I know what that is, that's me. It, it's such a big deal in, in, in American culture, particularly. And it just, it just seemed it was the right thing to do. Now, if we were going to do Miles and do it right, that means Peter's got to go. Because if Peter's there, Miles isn't going to have a chance. He's always going to be the other, <laughs> the other Spider-Man. We want him to be Spider-Man. And um, I thought about it a long time, and I thought about there was also, well, if we kill Peter, Peter's got to go. Peter's got to die. Peter can't just go to the moon or go to the shield or, you know, he's got to go. And if Peter goes, it's got to mean something. And then I came up with the idea that, that that made it all come to life for me, which if Peter dies and he becomes the Uncle Ben character to Miles' story, then the whole story continues in the right way, right? If, if, you know, Uncle Ben dying is the reason Peter is Spider-Man. If Peter dies is the reason Miles is Spider-Man, then the story continues in the best way possible. So that, that when that that's the moment that I went, that this is the right thing to do. That and seeing Donald Glover from Community and his Spider-Man outfit, all of it made me realize this is the right thing to do. Fantastic. And once more, I think everybody is falling in love with Miles. It's it's a huge relief I, because it, it, if there it, on paper if there's ever a jump the shark moment in, in of life it's right there you're looking at it I, I'm too I know my pop culture too much to not go well that, that that's when it all goes to hell right there and uh, but uh, and um, in America it was quite a tizzy that was so cartoonish that it actually looked like it was like a Santa Livestead sketch and he gets out of Glenn Beck is you know, he's another thing he is he's a he's a He's a, I'm trying not to swear on these kids here, but it, imagine a swear word. That's what he is. And, uh, <laughs> and I woke up that morning, and he had said on his radio show, and I have a clip on my website, that uh, Spider-Man was now African American because Michelle Obama had brainwashed us. <laughs> and it was so beautiful. It was just so stupid. And and, uh, and and because he does that, I mean, it was a good 15-minute tantrum of this. It was filled with vague racism. And uh, then Keith Olbermann has to go and attack Glenn Beck. And then The Daily Show and, and uh, Stephen Colbert both have to jump on them for being idiots. And it went on all day. And it just it was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, this is the, this is the, I told my wife, you don't have to give me anything for my birthday. You can't top this. Birthday <laughs> <laughs> present I'll ever have. You're so, yeah, I, I do love it. And, I, and uh, you know, it was funny. I was fly, I've been flying a lot this week because we were in Tokyo before we were here. And so we announced Spider-Man, which we've been working on all year. And uh, and so um, when I hopped online, usually I'm on the line all day, so I'll get the trickle of reaction, you know. And then it was it was 18 hours of uh, 70% very happy about Peter Parker meeting Miles, and 30%. But but you know what? With 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 the invention of Miles, we get to do this story of of. Um, the Ultimate Universe and the Marvel Universe meeting each other because now there's, it's so exciting to me that Peter's going to go, go to a world where he's dying. And, and see, it, it's, it's like, you know, the, a Christmas Carol, the Marvel version of Christmas Carol. He's going to see what the world would be like if he died and this other kid and, and, and what have you, Miles gets to meet Peter. 
And if you can introduce my favourite character, Spider-Man 2099, he can be the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, Dad, believe me, if, if Spider-Man sells, they're going to 2099. Wait! <laughs> I you. you heard it here first, people. Now, I'm sorry, we are going to have to leave it oh, there. Oh, we're done? Yeah, we, we, we are hitting that, that, that magical time that is the time that you have to go. Um, it's his fault. I would have kept going. Yeah, I know. And you would have kept going. What's more, we would all would have sat here very happily. But for the time being, we are going to have to leave it there. So please put your hands together and thank the Giant boobs, swag, swag. Giant boobs, swag, swag. Swag, swag. Giant boobs, swag a thousand times, swag a thousand times, swag a thousand times. Swag. Swag, 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 swag. Even giant or boobs. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times. Swag a thousand times. Swag, 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 swag. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast are their own and do not represent those of Comics Online, any other participants, or any employers past, present, or future. If you would have thought otherwise without hearing this disclaimer, maybe you're not ready for this whole internet thing, much less Australian Comic Cons. Or maybe you're instead one of our smart and sexy fans who appreciate foul language, killing Peter Parker, biting sarcasm and everything geek pop culture, even when it's delivered by a robotic voice like mine. If you have comments, questions or suggestions for the Comics Online podcasters, we invite you to post on our Facebook page, tweet us on Twitter, or email us at podcast at comicsonline.com. All original material in this podcast copyright comics online. Swag a thousand times over. Giant boobs, swag a thousand times over. Giant boobs, swag, 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 swag a thousand times over.